welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are reviewing in the Proximity Sermon Part 3, and I want to let you know here and at all of our campuses that uh, I'm calling an audible. This will be Part 3, and I'm going to do Part 4 at the uh, Saturday night 6 o'clock service at Apple Valley. Um, I I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to pull an audible and do the two services because I was afraid that if I preached a bonus sermon, not all of you would go online and hear it, but I'm asking that you'll be obedient and that you'll realize your disciples and the pastor that you've said you want to disciple you is asking you to go online and do that, and you'll do it. And uh, so, here's part three, and then at the next service, I'm going to do part four, and then we'll throw that online. And uh, if, if you don't go to the six o'clock Saturday night service and you ever meet somebody that does, thank them for being the guinea pigs, all right, because they sometimes do this for us. But as we look at proximity and we look at this, there's so much here, and we have understood that uh, in Genesis 12, God gives a blessing to Abraham. God gives a blessing to him, and he says, uh, through you, the nations will be blessed. Those that bless you, all bless. Those that curse you, all curse. And Abraham carries with him a faith blessing to go around the world, and those that are in proximity to him have a blessing. We believe that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that the, all the world can know, every nation of the world can know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and as they come into a faith experience with Jesus, they are blessed. And those of us that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior are in on the same thing. Galatians chapter 3, 7 through 9, I won't read it, but it talks about, Paul is writing, and he says, those that believe in faith are in on the same thing that Abraham had. We're in on the same thing. It's through Jesus Christ. It's faith in God, and God wants you to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing, and as we review for just a moment, we are, we are to be a blessing. We are to have the blessings in us, on us, oozing out of us, and it's so that we will pursue the blesser. And so that we can take the blessings of God and help others to come into contact with the blesser so they can know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And everywhere we go, we bring the blessings of God. Everywhere we go. It's just been so driven uh, through to me as I've been studying this and, and reading this and realizing that everywhere we go, we bring the blessing of God and we bring the kingdom of God. We bring the power of God. And I don't think we understand that because the Bible tells us the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, the power of God started to dwell in you, and everywhere you go, you bring the kingdom of God. You bring the presence of God everywhere you go. We also believe in this series. We've been talking about this. 
that there's a proximity blessing just by being near uh, people, by being near us. There's a blessing. There's a blessing. We can be their neighbor. We can be in their school. We can be wherever. And if they're just near us, uh, there is a blessing that is on them as they're around us. And that's where I believe this was invented, not through real estate, but through the church. Location, location, location. I believe that. Now, If you don't believe in proximity and you don't believe in the power of proximity and what you're around affects you, think about this. Our zoning laws, our zoning laws acknowledge the power of proximity. Secular zoning laws acknowledge the power of proximity. You may have a a building that says there is no smoking within a certain amount of feet of this doorway. If you're going to smoke, it's outside, not in proximity. It's within a certain uh, amount of feet from the front door. Our zoning laws say a liquor store cannot be next to a school. And they have a certain amount of distance because they said if liquor is within close proximity to a school where we're training children that are underage, it's not a positive thing. Our second Secular zoning laws acknowledge the power of proximity by saying an adult store cannot be located within a proximity of a school. We don't want the people that are going there around the people here. And we don't want these things going at. We don't want kids stumbling in there. And I've got to say this. I'm so thankful for the zoning laws in Minnesota because I lived in Louisiana. And when I was there, you could have a mansion next to a trailer, next to an adult store, next to a school, next to a bait shop. How many know what I'm talking about? And so I thank the Lord for good zoning laws. And we understand. Yeah, some of you are like, I know, I've been there. I, live, I love Louisiana. I got something special there. But it is crazy. It is crazy. They believe. They believe in the power of proximity that something can be near you and rub off on you. That it, you can, the power that is in you can rub off on other people. So they acknowledge it. Maybe not in the same way that we acknowledge it. But we understand that the power of God is in us, on us, oozing out of us. And there's something about proximity. And I'm, I, I just think we need to grab hold of this. Now, what's around us matters. Who's around us matters. And while I was in Egypt last week, uh, this is an incredible blessing that not, you didn't get to experience, but I got to experience. It was incredible to be doing our soap devotional. And to be doing the chapters that we read each day and to be reading Exodus while I'm in Cairo at the Nile. So I'm reading, you know, Moses is rescued out of the Nile. There's the Nile. I'm reading children were destroyed and their lives were taken and there's the Nile that the Pharaoh said, throw the babies in the Nile. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That's the Nile. And I had a pause moment where I'm like, God, I I, I just help us to understand that this is real. I mean, I'm reading about Moses going in and saying that if you don't let God's people go, the Nile's going to turn to blood. And I'm looking at the Nile. How many know that that's like just a bonus proximity thing that God was giving us there? And it's just incredible. And if you're able to ever do that, it's an amazing thing. It matters. It makes an impact on you. And the proximity that is in you and the spirit of God makes an impact on others. I realized this when I was walking down alleys of immigrants that had moved into these slum areas. And we're walking through these slum areas and I'm realizing that perhaps they've never known a follower of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is walking down the, their alley. 
And as they're waving at this American, they're seeing an American, and I'm thinking, they're missing the deeper thing. They're missing the thing that the kingdom of God is right here next to them, and they don't even know that the spirit of God is in me, and I don't even know how to communicate with these guys, and I'm trying to figure out how could I tell them that, that the kingdom of God is right there in proximity and anything that they feel is not that America's great, but that the spirit of God that they're feeling right then is great. Man, proximity was just affecting me and, 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 and I just have this burden and I, I didn't even want to leave. I didn't even want to leave that area because I couldn't help but think about Romans 10 where Paul was talking about this and he's like, how will they call upon the Lord? How will they believe? How will they hear unless somebody preaches? And how will they preach unless somebody sent to them? How, many, how will they get there? And, and if somebody's sent, then will they go and will they preach? And, and that's why he says, how lovely are the feet of those that bring good news. And if I could just modify it with the proximity translation, how beautiful are the feet of those that get in proximity to lost people? Man, that's what Paul's saying. So with that, I'm going to try to squeeze this through and I'm going to do really two sermons, two sermons in this time frame and two sermons in the next time frame. And I have two more sermons that I won't even get to. All right. So I'm going to give you a little jet tour here because there's so much in proximity about this, the power of proximity and proximity pops up all throughout the Bible. And I couldn't leave these things out in this series. And each of these points right now could actually be a whole sermon. All right. So it's like 27 sermons. (laughs) Some of you thinking I'll skip church for a couple of weeks because I got a lot. No, don't do that. All right. First Kings 17, amazing story. Elijah and the widow. Elijah, there's famine, there's, there's drought in the land. And Elijah, God says, I want you to go to this widow's house. I prepared a widow for you to go and stay with. And so Elijah goes and gets in proximity to her. He's God's man, he's a prophet. He gets in proximity and he says, ma'am, I'm here, I'm the man of God. God sent me to you, I need something to eat. And she says, uh, I have just enough left for me and my son. Uh, I'm actually gathering sticks so that I can make one last cake and then we're gonna die because that's all the food we have. And in that moment, Elijah brings a miracle into her life because God picked her for the prophet to stay at her house. And in that moment, he says, you know what? The food's never gonna run out. The oil's not gonna run out. He said, because God has a plan and right now we're in proximity to each other. How many know that's a good day to have a house guest? And this widow's life is saved. Her son's life is saved. It's an amazing thing. Matter of fact, there's so much more to this story. Um, Elijah says, go to your neighbors, get the vessels, get the things, get all the things from them, all the people that you're in proximity to. And Paul Scanlon preached an, uh, an amazing message years ago. And if it's not online, we need to put it online. It's just an audio. But he talked about your resources in your relationship. And he talked about what if this lady was mean to her neighbors and they wouldn't have given her any vessels so the miracle would have happened. But she was nice and she had neighbors all around her. So she can, can I get a vessel? Can I get a vessel? Can I get a vessel? She brings them back and the oil fills all those vessels. And there's an amazing miracle from the proximity of the prophet coming into her home and the proximity of her to her neighbors. I mean, it's an amazing thing. As you read the word of God, you're just going to see this. It just jumps out proximity. We continue on Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 4. There's a, a Elisha, not to be confused with Elijah. Elijah was the first prophet. Prophet Elisha was his understudy, which again is so amazing. He said, if I, can I get a double blessing of whatever you've had on your life? Can I get a double blessing? And Elijah says, if you're with me, if you're in proximity, when I get taken up from this earth, you'll get a double blessing. And that's what happens. It's another side point. That's another sermon. All right, so we're moving on. They, he, in 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha prays for a lady to have a baby, so she has a son. 
Years later, uh, the son has something wrong with his head. You can read this. He has something wrong and he dies. He has like a hemorrhage or something. We don't know. He has a stroke, but he dies. And so the lady comes to him and says, you know, my son died. We prayed for this son and now he's dead. What's going on? She's like, man of God, do something. And so, you know what he does? He takes his staff and he says to his assistant, take my staff, run to this child. Don't even stop. Lay my staff on his body and bring him back. There's power in the proximity of the staff I hold. Think about that. So he goes and runs and puts it on there, but apparently there wasn't enough power in the staff right there because the guy doesn't come back to life. And so Elisha goes into the house, and you talk about proximity, he lays on the boy's body, lays on him. And it's like, God that is on me, get on this boy. And that boy comes back to life. It's an amazing miracle of proximity. And I'm just realizing the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that was in Elijah is in you. The same power of God is in you. We need to realize who we are in Jesus Christ. And you're like, well, send my shoe ahead. I don't think we need to do that or anything. But we need to realize the power of God is in us and say, God, use me for the miraculous. We believe, increase our faith. But it doesn't stop there. Elijah's bones are so powerful. His life is so powerful. There's so much spirit of God on Elisha that when they go to bury him, it's an amazing story in 2 Kings 13, and I'll read it for you, verses 20 and 21. It says, Elisha died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb because they don't have time to bury him, so they throw him in there. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. How many of you know that's a good day to be thrown on a dead guy? I mean, (laughs) it's incredible. There's so much power of God in this man. There's so much power there, even his dead bones have a residual power on them. That's just amazing to me. And so if a prophet's dead bones can have that kind of power, what could a life-giving follower of Jesus Christ, the disciple of today, that has the Holy Spirit on you, in you, flowing through you, oozing out, what kind of power do you think is in us that we're not tapping into? What do you think is there? Proximity blessing is there. And in Jeremiah 29, let me read this. I believe there's a proximity blessing wherever we live. Jeremiah 29, verses four through seven. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And he's saying, I've got you there for a reason. Not only that, I want you to pray for the prosperity of your city that you're in. I want you to be a blessing to them. Rather than cursing the city I have you living in, I want you to be a blessing to them. I want you to pray for them. And as you pray for them, and as they prosper, you'll prosper. And as you prosper, they prosper. It's a great combo platter going on here. And I'm going to tell you this, I I believe this with all my heart. Everywhere there's one of our campuses, I believe that city is blessed because we got in there. We're not the only church in there, but they just increased their God proximity blessing on their city. And I would say this, if I was a mayor, and if there are any mayors watching, I would beg River Valley to put a campus there. I would give them free land too. I would just say that. (laughs) 
really, we pray for every city that we're in. We pray, and we, we pray for the mayor, and we, we, we pray for political leaders every week in our staff meeting. Why? Because we are praying the blessing on them. We are praying, praying the proximity. I believe in pre-service prayer before this service, we prayed for all our neighbors of this campus and said, God bless them just because they're near us. I pray, I pray that blessing on them. So there's something there. I mean, there are so many proximity blessings and examples with Jesus. Each of these could be a sermon. The woman with the issue of blood, she's like, if I can just get in proximity to Jesus, if I could just touch him, if I could just, I just gotta get close. She fights through the crowd to get in proximity to blessing to Jesus just so she can touch him and get the blessing. He's like, who touched me? Who had faith? Who understood that if they got near me, if they touched me, they could get healed? There's something going on here. There were 10 lepers in Luke 17. You talk about this. It's so cool. They are forbidden to be in proximity to Jesus. Lepers were forbidden. They had to shout, unclean, unclean. I can't come near you. I've got something contagious. And they get in proximity to Jesus so he can just see them and they can hear him and he can hear them. And he says, hey, you guys, you're healed. Go show the priest. You're healed. Amazing thing. I mean, in proximity to just hear the powerful words of Jesus Christ. Man, how many of that's a good day to be walking down the street and be yelling unclean that you happen to be walking down the same street Jesus is? Instead of somebody throwing rocks at you because you're a leper or saying, get away, get away, he's saying, I'm coming to you and I've got a message, you're clean. Incidentally, as just for a moment, it's, we're blessed to be a blessing so they could know the blesser. Ten of them got the blessing. One of them got the blesser. One comes back, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I get it. It's all about you. Man, don't be just, I want the blessing, blessing, blessing. It's about Jesus. It's about getting the blesser. Man, there's so many things here. Uh, the widow from Nain in Luke chapter 7 she has her only son and he's dead and they're having the funeral procession. It just so happens that the funeral procession is walking down the straight, same street that Jesus is walking down. Proximity. They could have chosen any route. I started to get like this. I've been praying because I have a problem with driving. I lose my temper in, in the car and I've just been praying like, God, if I get a detour, I just got to find you in the detour. What do I need to see in the detour? If I'm getting cut off in traffic, instead of getting angry, I'm going to slow down and find out what proximity blessing. I'm just, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. But this lady could have went any route for the funeral, but she goes the route that she goes by Jesus. And in that proximity blessing, Jesus, it says, he walks up and grabs a hold of the coffin, grabs a hold of it, and he sees her pain. Why? Because he was in proximity. Another street over, he doesn't see it, but right there he sees it, and he grabs hold of it, and he, and he, and he says, boy, come back to life. The boy comes back to life. Matter of fact, I had an opportunity this week. I was sharing the healing story of Connor. I was sharing that, and I was next to a guy, and I could feel he needed a healing. And so in prayer the next day, I said, you need a healing, don't you? You, you have somebody in your life that you need a healing for. And I said, I believe God brought me here all the way to Egypt for this moment. We're going to pray for healing. Who needs a healing? He says, my boy. I said, the same God that healed my son can heal your son. I am praying for a blessing on you. He brought us here. He had me share that story. I was in proximity to you for a reason. There's, the power of God is real. The power of God is real. The right turn, Luke 7, it's amazing. Matter of fact, in the same chapter, the centurion comes into proximity with Jesus. Jesus is like, I'll go to your home. He's like, 
got it. You're, the power of God is so powerful, I don't even need you to come to my house. Just say the word. Say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus speaks the word. He's like, man, that guy has faith. That guy has faith. He doesn't even need to touch me. He doesn't need to come near me. He doesn't need me to go near. He understands the power of my promises, the power of, of what's going on here. This guy gets it. I haven't found faith like this anywhere. This guy's amazing. Power of proximity. We used this in Easter last year, but the man on the cross next to Jesus. If you are going to die as a criminal, you want to die next to Jesus. I mean, the kingdom of God is right there next to him. And he's like, surely you are the son. Will you remember me? He's like, today you'll be with me in paradise. What a day to die. Man, proximity, proximity, proximity. I mean, here's another one that's interesting. The misblessing of proximity. Misblessing of proximity. I'll read it. John chapter 20, verse 24 and 25. Now Thomas... One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This guy misses out for proximity. That made me think when I read that in my devotions, I was like, Lord, I don't want to miss out on anything. I don't want to miss out on anything. I don't want to miss out. You ever notice that years ago before we had internet and we live streamed and then archived the sermons. Man, you'd skip a week and they'd say, it was the best week ever. You missed a church. It was incredible. You missed it. And we started to think like, I would never want to miss a week because that's always the week. It's going to be amazing. I don't want to miss out on the blessing. I'm going to the church. Now, some of you are like, yeah, the internet, we solved that. No, come to the church. Be a part of it. Don't miss out on the blessings. Be a part of it. Don't miss out. Thomas missed out on a blessing of proximity. I don't want to miss out. Okay, Acts chapter 5. By the way, I'm still on point one. So um, Acts chapter five, Peter's shadow, incredibly. Uh, it says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were hardly regarded, regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. All of them were healed. Think about this. They're like, which way is the sun going? We got to get our, our sick people right here. Let's guide Peter down the road so that the shadow will fall. We want the proximity of the shadow to fall on our sick relatives because they need a healing. If we can't get a touch, we'll take a shadow. Wow, that is the power of God uh, alive. That is incredible. I mean, we fight for shade at the church picnic. They fought for Peter's shade. I mean, think about that. That is amazing. Okay, Paul, the apostle Paul, they're bringing articles of clothing to him in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. Maybe they're getting this back from uh, the prophets. We don't know, but it says God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Now, let me just give you a couple things. I still believe the power of God is so strong. I don't know what, how it works like this, but there's residual effect. I believe it in the same way that 
that he said, take my staff and run there. I believe it in the same way the power of the word of God, okay? But I don't want to start a theology of handkerchief stuff going on, but I do I want to validate this. I want to say this. If a televangelist sends you a paper, a hanky or whatever, and wants a donation, just kind of be careful of that one. We're not about that. There's no money exchange going on here. It's just a freely given thing, but it was real. And I, I don't have time to develop this one. This one could be a, a known series too. Um, while in India, I noticed that people came up to me and they were handing me bottles. And I said, what are they doing? They said, they want you to pray a blessing over their baby. And that's their bottle. They want you to pray a blessing over their baby. They left them home, uh, their daughter at home, their son. And they just want you to pray a blessing on the bottle so that when they go home. And I was like, wow, wow. And they bring things up and they'd hand me clothing. And, and not that I'm any more powerful, but they heard the message of Jesus Christ in this town of a million people that had heard it for the first time and they had hope. And they're bringing things and they're saying, will your team pray on this? Can we bring this back to our family members? People would literally take my hand and put it on their head. I mean, I'm sitting there talking and they really put it on there, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? And they're like, yes, they want the blessing of God. And you know God. And they want the blessing of God. They want in on this. And I, I just couldn't believe it because in America, we're kind of like, is there a tidy blessing? Is there a nice blessing? Do I have to do that? Do they have to lay hands on me? We even got to the point where we anoint people with oil. We're kind of like, here's the lowest possible amount of oil possible. Let's put it on you. And by the way, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so we're like, this is the lowest possible amount of oil. Uh, we're going to put it on you. I mean, they're just like, pour it on. Pour it on. And so the blessing is there. Paul in Acts chapter 16, the uh, demon-possessed girl, because he comes in proximity to her. All of a sudden, she starts, you know, screaming, you're, these people are servants of the Most High. They're servants. He, she's feeling the presence of the kingdom of God. It has come into her zone, and it's in proximity. And finally, Paul just turns around and says, come out of her. In Jesus' name. And there's a, a massive uproar in the city. They get mad because he's taken away the business of their idolatry. And so, but still, don't miss it. The proximity. All right. Secondly, proximity implies responsibility. You got to stick with me. You got to stick with me. I'll go fast. Acts chapter 1-8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You start with your proximity circle. And Jesus said, you're going to start with those closest to you. And there's an implied responsibility for you to be near to the people and bring the presence of God. Bring the presence of God. You know what? You are responsible for your neighbors. You're in that neighborhood for a reason. Many of you won't ever invite them to church, ever. You won't even have the courage to hand them an invite card or open your mouth. Even Easter, a service that most of them would come with. Most of us say, well, and God puts you in that neighborhood for proximity. That is your Jerusalem. There's an implied responsibility here. Do you know why we're so driven to have churches around the world and work with unreached people groups? Because it drives me crazy that there could be countries of this world that don't have believers in them that are bringing the kingdom of God there. There's a country in the world that they know of four known believers amongst millions of people, and it drives me crazy. And I think we've got to bring the proximity there. We've got to bring a church there. We've got to do something. That's why we're driven to say, let's go, let's send, let's do this. Matter of fact, this blew me away. There's currently a missionary that is dying of cancer, and he's on the field. 
He's in a Muslim nation, very hard to reach nation. He's dying of cancer right now. And they said, we want you to come home and, and get chemo. I believe he's in his 60s and I'm not for sure on that. But he said, proximity implies responsibility and God sent me here and I'm staying. And all of us think that's just dumb. He should come back to America. He should get the healing and the treatment that he needs. And he said, I will either be healed miraculously so I can show these people the wonderful power of God or I will die in front of them and show them how a Christian dies. He said, they have never, ever witnessed a Christian die, ever. And I'm willing to die in proximity to those that don't even know him. blew me away. He gets it. He gets it. God saved you. He brought you in proximity to his son so you could be forgiven. He pours blessings out on you. He put the spirit of God in you so you could go to all the world and bring the message of Jesus Christ. Your neighbors, your city, your school, you're in proximity for a reason. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the proximity that God has put you in. Don't waste it. You're there for a reason. Don't get upset that no one knows Jesus in your school or your neighborhood. Don't get upset that your workplace is dark and you're the only light. God put you there for a reason. Bring the proximity of the kingdom of God there and live in a way that Jesus is lifted up and people will know him and they will know the blesser not just the blessings. So God, right now we close out this service and I pray for this missionary. I'm torn theologically right now, God. Because I know you can heal him and I know that healing is paid for in eternity. But I think about Paul where he said, it seems like it's far better for me to, to stay here because of you than to depart. And this missionary is contemplating this, and I'm sure that there's going to be people upset, but I would say, God, if he's willing in that way, then I pray this prayer. Heal him or take him in that place so they can see how a Christian dies. And now for us, God, I pray that we'd realize that proximity implies responsibility. And I pray for a greater spirit of boldness in our places of, work, uh, of school, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our families. I don't want us to be irritating to people, but I want us to understand the responsibility to open our mouth when the opportunity is there, to pray for those in need when the opportunity is there, to be willing to be uh, laughed at when people are willing to die. You saved us, God, so we could not just have these blessings for ourselves. We keep 15% and give 85% of the blessings to the world that so desperately needs it. And say, God, help us to introduce them to the blesser. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.